Hello, it's uh, it's eight, I guess, at least uh, here on the East Coast. Um, so that means that it's time to start. It's really nice to see um, quite a few familiar faces. Um, you know, we're really happy to be uh, learning with you this LL. Um, Okay, so this class is, you know, we all know is uh, why are you sleeping? Putim of awaking uh, to the Yemim Noraim with uh, Rabbanit Victoria Sutton. Um, and it's nice to see that uh, people know the drill and are uh, accepting uh, my invitation to join as panelists. That way you'll be able to um, unmute yourself, ask questions, uh, you know, during the pauses. Um, and we get to see your faces uh, if you so choose. Um, also, if uh, you know um, questions come up in the moment, uh, feel free to put them um, in the chat. And I will also uh, be looking at the uh, Facebook stream once that is all ironed out. Um, uh, let's see. Um, so throughout the month of Elul, uh, Jewish communities uh, rise early for Slichot, um, prayers whose words and melodies serve to awaken us to tshuva um, and slicha, repentance and forgiveness. Uh, we're going to be studying the texts and themes of several of these piyotim together, uh, including the opening piyot, uh, uh, Ben Adam L'chan uh, Dam. Um, and just to uh, introduce everyone to uh, Reverend Victoria Sutton, um, she's on the Judaic uh, Studies faculty at the Heschel School and has taught in the Drisha High School program. Uh, prior to that, she served as the Director of Education and Community Engagement at Congregation um, Beth Israel, a modern Orthodox synagogue in Berkeley. Uh, she was ordained through Shivat Maharat in 2014, uh, a graduate of Barnard College uh, with a BA in Biological Sciences. She also holds a grand diploma in pastry arts uh, from the French Culinary Institute. Uh, she has also sat on the board of the Jewish Family and Community Services um, East Bay and was involved with community organizations in New York City focusing on homelessness, literacy, sexual assault, and domestic violence. Uh, violence. So that's a very, well, wide ranging um, resume. Uh, with that, I guess I'll uh, let you uh, take that away. Okay, thank you so much, Maxine. Um, welcome, I think if you are still uh, in the attendee area, um, I'm also encouraging you to please join us. A panelist does not mean that you're gonna teach the class. Um, there is no pressure. Um, it just means that you will feel um, at least to me, and I think the other attendees, and maybe even for yourself, you'll feel a little bit more present in the class. Um, we'll get to see your face if you want. Um, I'll be putting prompts in the chat. Um, I welcome participation. You can, um, and uh, Maxine, I'm sure, will will help with this as well. Right? If people have things that they want to contribute, um, right? We want to we want to hear your voices as well. Um, so come join us. Um, so as we, I'm gonna share my screen in a second. Hopefully you have the sources. We are two weeks away from Rosh Hashanah. Um, we're a little past the middle um, of the month of Elul. I think we all got a little more reminder of that with the supermoons this month that we were like even more attuned than we usually were to the cycle. Um, and I don't know about you, but I know I saw that moon. I was like, 
oh, and then it started to get a little smaller the next day. I was like, oh, it's even closer, um, right? And I started to feel that feeling. Wow, Rosh Hashanah is really coming. Um, and Yom Kippur soon to follow. And we're going to talk about tonight some of the um, some of the things that we do as communities and as individuals to prepare ourselves, to wake ourselves up to what's happening in the calendar um, and to sort of be in sync with what's going on. And Rosh Hashanah is not something that we usually just show up to, um, right? unawares, unprepared, caught off guard. Um, there are many things that communities do. And uh, as I'm gonna share my screen, I'm putting in the chat, um, maybe you can share in the chat something that you do to get yourself ready for Rosh Hashanah. It can be just one simple thing. It could be a word, um, right? One simple thing that you do um, to share with everybody. It'd be really wonderful to see what other people do. Um, and with that, uh, don't be shy. Oh, Agnon. Anything specific? Uh, I actually, you're reminding me that I did that last year on Shabbat afternoons. I was finally not in, working in a shul and I had like some time Shabbat afternoons. And I pulled, um, I pulled Agnon off the shelf um, and I started to read some of the stories and I actually ended up sharing with my middle schools one of the amazing stories um, about Laser the Butcher. Um, which was very much modeled on the Talmud. Um, so sometimes reading other things that get us in the frame of mind. Um, polish my mother's candlesticks, which are the different rituals. Some of them are about our minds. Some of them are very physical. So we're going to think about the spiritual, physical, and metaphysical um, things um, that we do. Um, Maxine, perhaps you could spotlight. Um, you could spotlight my, yeah, thank you. And then I'm going to share my screen. That way people will have it in front of you. Thank you. And people can also open this up. Um, okay. Um, there seems to be, I'm going to be sharing some audio later. It seems that when I tried to share my screen with audio, the Zoom audio um, did not work. Um, so maybe I will just pull it up. Um, I will just pull it up in, um, in Google Docs. That way it'll be a little bit easier. I'll see what I can do behind the scenes. If it I... might just be um, a new computer. I haven't done that on this computer yet. And so it's a new a new thing that I'm experiencing. So apologies. I do want to get underway with the learning. Um, I've done many, many Zoom classes. That hasn't happened before. So always new things, right? Um, OK, so now I'm going to try and share my screen again. Um, um, I will turn off the audio now and then only turn it on. Um, are people seeing the source sheet? Okay, great. Um, okay. Um, so the Rambam in Hachot um, this is 
um, can, combination of the practices that exist in communities at this time. Um, some communities blow shofar, some communities say um, and the Rambam sort of mentions um, both. Um, I don't think, um, right, different communities have different customs as they do from the beginning of Elul. Um, he talks about the sound, actually he talks about the sounding of Shoram Rosh Hashanah, sorry, not on Elul. Um, and he says that on Rosh Hashanah itself, the purpose of it um, is, um, right, as if it's to say, even though it has no words, it's uh, it's pretty, uh, it's just a sound, a pure sound. And it says, Wake up, sleepy heads. And those who are like in a very, very deep, deep slumber, uh, wake up from your deep slumber. Um, it's interesting to think about like a light sleep versus uh, a really, like a tardimaz, like you're really you're out, <laughs> like you're totally out of commission. The chapsu, um, and why, what are we waking up in order to do, according to the Rambam, so we can look at the next words, um, that we're waking up um, in order to search our ways, right? Waking ourselves up to maybe, uh, we can think about what that means, and people have ideas about what the Rambam means um, by waking up to search our ways, um, right? It could be patterns, could be really thinking about the things that we're doing, um, and to do teshuvah, um, right, and to remember God, um, right, waking up maybe out of our normal routine, that we do something different and able to get us out of our, uh, out of our routine, um, and then he mentions elu hashokichim, that it's like really easy to forget the big picture, Right? That it's really easy sometimes to get into our uh, into our usual way of doing things and really forget about maybe um, the um, the big the big values that we have. Right? We just go through the motions um, and that maybe the things that we do we're waking up to think about like what are the things that are important to us um, and and to start reflection. Um, and to, and to think about also, right, are there things that maybe um, we kind of push to the side and like this is an opportunity to wake up to those things, um, right? It could be that it was something we were pushing, we were trying to like put to sleep. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that. Um, like maybe we um, press the snooze button on something because we didn't want to think about it um, or deal with it or address it. And maybe this is the time to like turn off the snooze button is what I maybe hear, hear the Rambam saying here. Um, or maybe it's something that, like, actually, we had no idea. Like, we were in a tardema, maybe we had no idea um, that what we did, um, right, was hurtful. Maybe we were sort of, like, totally out of it. Um, and something, and really looking back and reflecting reminds us of it. Um, so the Ramam is alluding to kind of all of these things. And the third piece he talks about, right, is remembering God um, and really thinking about um, something above us. Right, we get so focused on our on our daily ways, and this is a way to really like remember who we're accountable to, the people in our lives, um, and to and to God. Um, and he says, um, this is later in the paragraph in Hachot Teshuvah, um, right? Because um, the Lecha Mishnah says there, right? Um, because during this time of year we look into our actions, um, we have different practices. People have practices. Yes, of course, we should get stuck all year round, but we should always do the right thing all year round. This is like not a 10-day only thing, of course, right? But that people gave more tzedakah, 
um, people tried to do more mitzvot, to do more good actions during this time, um, at least from Rosh Hashanah um, to Yom Kippur, right? And people take on sometimes extra things that they do during that time as well. Vinahagu um, Kulam, uh, right? So I guess in his community where he was, um, so he left Spain when he was young, right? Um, so this could be um, where he was later in Egypt, um, that this is what the community did. He says that it's customary um, for people to lakumbalayla, at least during these 10 days, right? He's not talking about necessarily a loop, but this is a practice that we see has definitely extended. Um, and they come to the Beit Knesset and they share divrei tachanunim. Um, um, until it's laid out. Um, Tachanunim are part of our everyday tefillah, right? It's not an only this time of year, um, but it's something that we do specifically this time of year, um, that we cry out, that we cry out for help, um, and we cry out to God. Um, the first piyut, um, any thoughts? I just want to hear um, if maybe um, in the chat, um, if anybody wants to share um, something that, right, what does the Rambam mean by waking up to, by waking up to our actions or waking up to God? So I gave some suggestions. If anyone has anything to share in the chat, don't be shy. Um, we're going to look now at the Piyut Ben Adam, um, and then we'll get to listen to the Piyut um, and, uh, and share some reflections on the Piyut. So the piyut, we're going to look at some of the background to the piyut, but we'll just open up. The first line might feel very familiar. It comes from something that we read during this time of year on Yom Kippur from the book of Yonah. So, Ben Adam, Malachan Yodam. I think, I don't think I realized um, from just reading the book of Yonah, how lyrical that line was. It like lends itself very beautifully to poetry and a piyut. And it's kind of remarkable um, to think that, right, that uh, the, the ship captain of the boat in a moment of stress is gonna like speak in this lyrical, very Benadam is a very fancy way of speaking, like, oh, you human, right? It's the way that God talks to Yechazkel and others and speak in this beautiful lyrical rhyme. Um, so there's something very, um, very poetic already about the, the captain um, saying this to Yonah. Um, so here, um, you can almost read this as, oh, a poet wrote this, right? Uh, without even realizing that it, um, it comes from the Torah. Um, but what should you wake up from your sleep and do what? Kum kira batachanunim. Um, call out in tachanunim. And not only that, you should pour out in conversation to God. Seek out forgiveness from the master of masters. Um, wash and purify yourself. Right? So that really reminds us of the, the Kohen Gadol, um, right? And what he would do and that we ourselves are modeling throughout this time, not only on Yom Kippur when we read the Avodah, but that all of us, right? And what do we do normally in the morning? It's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning. 
right? Often we wash and we get ready for the day. So we want to face the world as like clean, right? That's a very, right? We do our, our rechitza in the morning. Um, so just like in our physical waking up, um, the feud is reminding us, right? That when we wake up spiritually um, on during this time of year, that also we're washing ourselves, but it's not like a physical washing, right? We're trying to cleanse ourselves. Um, and there's a there's a real if you're reading the words right um, we're going to talk about the rhyme scheme a little more but are people noticing that it's a very the phrases are extremely tight and there's a very um, very fast rhyme scheme that gives us a sense of urgency right wake up do this um, wash hurry up you don't have a lot of time. Um, if we think back to like, we're going to look at the captain, think about the ship captain in Yona, right? That story has a lot of urgency, right? Because they're really in trouble, right? If they don't wake up and figure out how to handle the situation and get out of it, they, they're really, the boat's going to sink. They're going to be in trouble. And like the PUT here, not in a danger, right? There's not like that sense of threat, but it's rather like motivating. It's like, get up. Um, maybe in the way that, right, that al an alarm clock, right, sort of like beep, beep, right, it beep, like often, maybe some people might have very slow, soothing um, alarm clocks. You can raise your hand if you do. But most of the time, things that are pretty fast paced and upbeat um, and encouraging help get us up. Um, yeah, so slumber, yes. So I think this idea of slumber is definitely um, a sense of avoidance. The Rambam for sure was talking about it, right? People who have forgotten, meaning, did they really forget, right? Or they, um, right, choose to put certain things, we're very good at putting certain things to the side. Um, and this is a time where like, just like Yonah could really not get away, right? We really can't get away um, from those things. We can't hide any longer. <laughs> Right, we have to face those and face the day um, and face who, who we are. Um, and then it finally, after it had this fast pace, hurry, run to get help. And again, if you're Yonah on the boat, for sure you're running to get help. And it's a just really very um, effective. Um, and we'll hear the different tunes. People might be used to a slower tune, but there are also faster paced tunes. Um, it's really effective in sort of building this momentum of taking that story of Yonah um, and without a threat, really encouraging us and pushing us. Um, yes, and it could be quite painful, right? How do we not avoid, right? How do we like psych ourselves up to face the day and do the things we need to do, right? And the slichot are very much empowering us to do that. Um, right, the way that we come together um, to do it, um, the way that we sing them together, um, and the way that they, the words here are extremely um, encouraging. Um, and then it says, yes, okay. Um, right, kind of run away. We, our sense is, as, uh, as Leia put, our sense is that we kind of like want to run away from the stuff that stuff, the bad stuff, the stuff that we wish wasn't there. Um, and in the end, as we learn from the story of Yonah, what happens when you try to away from that, run away from that? 
you really, right, you run away and you find yourself again, right? That's really sort of how it works. Um, and so the pew, without mentioning the story of Yonah, um, builds on the fact that we know that story, but doesn't make it about Yonah, right? We're very familiar with some pew team that and we'll look at next week um, about the Akedah that are more um, really exegesis or commentary on a specific story and explore that story. This really takes that as a thread and keeps bringing us back to, oh, we know Yonah, and we're going to see we know Yona because in many ways we are Yona, right? Um, and we can identify with Yona. Um, I'm continuing with the piyut. Because actually, we didn't forget you, right? The Rambam has said we forgot God. We didn't forget you. We're actually really loyal. We're not trying to run away. Don't worry. <laughs> right? We actually trust you. Um, and this is, uh, I know there's a lot, um, a lot said now about, um, kind of uh, positive ways of encouragement versus like negative consequences. And I think a lot of the tension around the liturgy of the Yimuraim is like, how much is it like the carrot and how much is it like the stick, right? How much is it, this will be so freeing and connecting and you will open parts of yourself up and like, don't be afraid, right? Um, and we're going to look at that with uh, the second period of Adon Tzlichot, right? But there might be pew team that also sort of like put put a little bit more at the forefront some of the consequences. And it's true that different people might be motivated by different things. Um, but many, many of the Tzlichot that we're going to look at um, really try to be more encouraging. Uh, if you put the effort in, if you just right um, turn to God and and look inwards and turn to God. Um, it will be okay. Right? Um, things will be okay. Um, and then it ends with phrase, because in the end, we know that we're coming before God. This is why it was hard for us to do this in the first place. It's painful, right? Just like when we go to another person and we kind of know that we did, right? it, it can feel really painful um, and hard to face up to something that we're not so proud of, of that um, of that thing. Um, and I think here, Boshet HaPanim, there are different ways of looking at it. Um, I think when it's said in this beautiful rhyme scheme, um, I think it's harder to have it feel like a really, um, right, a really um, heavy thing, but it's a real thing. Um, meaning um, how much do we focus on the shame and how much do we focus on the turning towards God and justice? And it's really pushing us in the other, in that direction. Um, the second phrase, um, this is gendered, but we're going to look at some sources um, that that crack this open a little bit. Um, and I think we can think about this as right human beings in general, right? Amod together, right? Stand up, right? Be like a right? human beings, right? You can be strong, right? You have. Um, I think this is something that was talked about a lot in recent years in terms of. Um, in terms of speaking with um, with children and teens, um, this idea of like, you know what, like things might be hard, but like you actually have the power to do things that are really difficult, um, right? You can dig into that strength, um, and we're all going to do it together. Um, but nobody can do it for you. I think is the is the harder thing here, right? Even though we're all together in the same room, this is not in the collective necessarily. This is addressed to the individual. So we're all together, but we're all individuals. 
Um, and I can't rely on the person next to me to make the things that I did wrong right <laughs> or to connect me to God. Um, and that's one of those really fascinating things about, about um, tefillah in general, tefillah in community, but really on Yemim Nora'im, that we can be, on the one hand, in a large group of people and our voices are booming and the whole room is filled with sound. Um, but also we know that it's on us, right? It's also very solitary, right? A lot of it is happening in here and in here. Um, and this really um, speaks about both of those. Um, because why God, um, and we'll see this in Adon Hasalichot also, um, right? God um, is wondrous, right? Amazing things can happen. Teshuva is possible. Things can change, um, right? Repentance is possible. Um, and um, right, that God should have compassion on us, just like we would hope a parent would have um, compassion on us. Um, right, I see this idea of you're a coward um, if you don't wake up. And I wonder, right, if that, uh, right, how much it's, again, it's always that, that tension of on the one hand, encouraging, on the other hand, like what does that say about me if I if I can't face up to um, myself and what I've done um, and the person that I am, um, right? How I got here today. Um, so it's always, it's encouraging, but again, it's difficult. It's acknowledging that this is probably the, one of the hardest things to do, um, right? Physical feats can be very hard, right? But these spiritual feats um, can be really, really the hardest things to do. And even if we often think of strength as something um, like people being physically strong, um, when we think about God's Gibra and we think about our Gibra here, um, we're really thinking about our strength to like admit um, and, and return and not be afraid. Um, so we um, will listen. I'm hoping, I'm gonna try it again with the audio. So it could be that when I put on the song with the audio that you're not gonna hear me, um, but I'll put something um, in the chat. Um, so maybe as we're listening, we're just gonna hear a little bit of the song. Um, think about something, um, something you have put on snooze. And again, this is not like, oh, I was going to like do my laundry or like, right, I keep putting that off or I keep putting off like washing the dishes, right, or like going to the gym. Like that's not the kind of things, um, right, it's not New Year's resolution snoozies, um, right, because those are the things that take up a lot of mental space. Um, but what are the big things um, that we've put on snooze? And that thinking as we listen to Ben Adam, um, this is actually the first pute, so just to frame it. Um, this goes back to the times of the Ge'onim, this idea of doing slichot very late at night or very, very early in the morning. So it's not only, um, right, in a, in a um, uh, allegorical sort of way, like wake up because you've been sleeping, um, right, and walking like in a dream. But actually people are coming three in the morning, four in the morning, five in the morning, 5.30 in the morning um, on a daily basis to do their slichot. Um, that practice is mentioned um, as far back as uh, as the Geonim, right? So it's both like the people who have showed up, it's also sort of like, right? You made the effort, right? Now use your time wisely um, that you're here. So think about something um, that you have put on snooze. Um, I am only familiar with it from Sephardi communities, but it could be that other communities have a similar pew team. If you see on the source sheet, there's also, I mean, 
if you like Sephardi, classic Sephardi, uh, Yehuda Halevi, but Yehuda Halevi also wrote a similar um, poem and a similar silicha about waking up. So we're going to listen just for uh, a minute or two, and people can quietly think about it and feel comfortable sharing the chat something um, that you have put on snooze. So I'm going to share my screen one second. Um, so that was the first phrase. So there's those two phrases, and then it goes straight into piyut, usually of lecha donetzdaka, which is a separate piyut which builds uh, which builds on these ideas. So thank you um, for all of those um, who have shared in the chat. Um, we're going to build on this idea of ben adam a little bit in some of the textual background. Um, so if you look on your um, on your source sheets, you can see. Um, without the audio, since the Google Docs doesn't have any audio. Okay. Um, that we, many of us are familiar um, with the story from Yonah, um, but I wanted to um, call to people's attention um, a really remarkable commentary by the Zohar on the book of Yonah that builds into the themes of the Yamim Noraim. Um, I actually first discovered this when I was at Maharat um, and we had to each teach each other something to prepare for the Yamim to get us to like prepare Shirim for each other. Um, and, uh, and I was looking in the Drisha when Drisha was still in a building with a baby trash in, in New York. And I was in the Drisha baby trash and I'm like, looking for inspiration and taking books off the shelf. Um, I'm not going to say I opened up a Zohar because that is definitely beyond my skill level. Um, but what I did open was um, a commentary on the book of Yonah by the Vilna Gaon called Adarit Eliyahu. Um, and what he does there 
is builds on this extended commentary of the Zohar. I highly, highly recommend people look at it. Um, it's really very, very creative. And he takes it that much further for the entire book of Yonah. Um, and what does the Zohar say? Um, it's an extended, um, it's an extended midrash um, that actually Yonah is all of us. Um, we are all Yonah and Yonah is all of us. Um, so if we want to look at, uh, on this, on the Zohar, that Yonah is an allegory for the Neshama. And we actually see this in many, many Talmudic stories. Um, Yonah sometimes represents Knesset Israel, the people of Israel. There are many stories of doves showing up in the Talmud in ways that represent God's presence and ways that represent a person's soul. Um, right, the Yonah is a symbol of that, of our connection with God, right? The part of us that's connected with God. Um, so Yonah definitely, um, a Yonah represents this. Um, so the Zohar, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna have us read the uh, Aramaic part of the Zohar has its own Aramaic. And, um, so I'll read the English translation that Yonah, um, the text um, is talking about not just this person named Yonah, but the text is actually talking about the way people are in the world. The way Yonah behaved in the story is sort of a symbol of the way that human beings can be in this world. Um, that Yonah went down to the ship is uh, the soul that Yonah represents the soul and the ship represents the body. The soul comes down and the soul is the part that we talk about so much, right? Um, the pew right after this of L'chad Nesedakah is the one that has the idea of, of uh, right, Hanashamalach, right, Bahaguf Palach, that the soul belongs to God and the body uh, is also God's creation. Um, and that we remind ourselves um, of that. And so Yonah is an allegory of that. So it comes down in a human body. Um, and uh, once the soul partners with the human body, it becomes much more fallible and less pure. Right? It's subject to, just like the boat tosses and turns, um, and is subject to sort of the, the vicissitude, like the waters, it, 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 it's vulnerable. Um, it's vulnerable. Um, and so that's, uh, right, it's not as protected. Um, and um, the person walks in this world as a ship in the great sea about to break up. And it could be that some people feel that vulnerable all the time. I know coming out of COVID and different people, right, depending on people's life situations, sometimes people can really feel like that, right? People can really feel vulnerable in that sense of being on a very rocky, um, right, rocky terrain. Um, Um, and that's the storm. Um, it also mentions the idea of storm being a consequence, um, right? So it brings in those ideas as well. Um, and maybe people sort of try to run away. Like maybe we try to steer the ship away from the direction that we should be going, right? Our body leads us, our physical needs are, right? We forget about the soul. And uh, so this is what the Zohar is saying here. Um, and maybe we think that there's no hashkacha, there's no divine supervision in this world. We just, right, we forget about the, the spiritual sense. Um, and uh, then the person could feel like they're caught in a storm. Um, and uh, it could be that the soul still, just like Yuna, um, is not really waking up to what's behind everything, waking up to the connection with God. 
And so the captain who says, Ben Adam Malachim Adam, right? Why are you sleeping? Get up, wake up, can't you see what's going on? Um, the Zohar says that that captain is our Yetzer Hatov, the part of us that like encourages us, the part of us that wants to do the right thing, that little voice inside us um, that encourages us. Um, and, uh, and so that's, um, that's the, uh, the allegory. And it says, it's no time to sleep, right? Things are happening. This, and this is how we often come into this time of year, right? The sense of um, this past year, this past year is, is being judged, right? Our actions this past year are being assessed. Um, the idea of Rosh Hashanah as a Yom Hadin, however people um, relate to that. Um, and that that's not a time to sleep, right? Um, and that it's time to um, to do teshuva. Um, so the Zohar definitely brings in a little bit more of sense of judgment, possibly because the Book of Yonah is definitely um, that the Yonah is that the, the in the Book of Yonah, right? It's a huge mistake, right? Trying to run away from one's responsibilities, trying to run away from God, trying to run away from doing the right thing. Um, and even though none of us, right, have that big responsibility to do now, we all have things we need to do. Um, so the soul being deceived by the body is interesting. I think people, and if people have ideas to put in the chat, how I've understood it, and, and um, I know that the Vilna Goan develops this in very, very specific detail. I think it's a combination of that our daily lives are not in, right, in a place where like the neshama is the main part, right? If we think of like, what is, what are we made of? It's our physical, it's our physical lives and our physical ways of being. Um, and that it could be that our inclinations get the best of us. Um, our character traits get the best of us. It could be that we're tempted by things um, right, and so um, once we're in the world, we both have the opportunity to make a huge impact and do the right thing, um, but we also have, have the opportunity um, to be fallible, um, right? Um, because our Yetzir Hatov might tell us one thing, and then we might just go and do the other thing, right? Um, we might overrule it, um, and sometimes we might even just um, this idea of Tardima, right? We might just sort of like try to ignore it um, or not even consult it um, and get to that point. So that's talking about sort of like a habit of just going um, and not really reflecting um, about what we're doing. Um, so that's how I, I understood it. Um, the Chida um, talks about um, in many areas, if you're not familiar with the Chida, is Rav Chaim David Azulai, um, an incredible prolific writer. Um, if you're not familiar with any of his writings, I don't know how much has been translated. Um, I'm happy to try to share it afterwards in, like I can, if I can find things translated. Um, but he lived in 18th century Jerusalem. Um, he comes from um, a family um, a family where um, he received a lot of Kabbalah and learning. Um, but he was so well-spoken and so brilliant that he was sent all across Europe to raise money for um, the community in Jerusalem. And he still managed to write many, many, many books um, of not only incorporating the writings of the Ari and Kabbalistic ideas, but they really have beautiful gems in them. Um, so this Pardes Haifida is sort of an anthology of, uh, 
like the garden or the orchard, of things that he wrote on Shabbat and on the holidays. Um, and he says here, because um, again, like waking up to tefillah can feel like thinking about, right? It can be scary. It can be hard. It can make us feel shame. It can make, it can make us feel weighed down, right? Um, what if we can't make things better? What if we feel like, right, that's really, right? It's, it's hard to do. Um, so he tries to um, push against the sense of um, fear that, um, that might exist in thinking of a Yom Hadin. And certain, certain communities have liturgy, again, that focuses a lot more on the fear and the judgment. Um, and I think he's coming from a very different perspective as a Kabbalist um, of what this means. Um, and so what he says is, um, what does it mean to wake up, right? It's not, and you're not right, is wake up, right? Um, this is a different type of awakening, right? When we think of it as an awakening rather than waking up, right, that feels very different. Just that little change in translation of, oh, there's a stirring or an awakening. And that's how the Chida is thinking of this lihita or to wake up. And he says that a person must awaken themselves into shuva from love, um, where many are probably familiar with this idea of ani ledodi vedodili, this verse from Shir Hashirim, I am to my beloved as my beloved is to me, um, is an acronym for Elul. Um, but he doesn't leave it at that. He builds on, um, on that idea. Um, it's not a very um, complicated idea, but I think it's a very beautiful and profound idea that he's sharing here. Um, and he says, because God actually really desires and wants us to return, right? If you think of a parent, if you think of an educator, right? God is all of those things magnified, right? A million times. Like, what do they really want? They want their child, they want their student, right? Or their friend, right? In a relationship to come, to reconnect with them. Right? Um, and they'll be accepted. So don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid to reconnect or um, come back to God and think about the ways in which you were disconnected. Um, because God really desires this connection in this month, and he learns it from this pasuk. And he says that a person, but God can't do it for us. As much as God wants us to do it, as much as we want that person in our lives, whether it's our child, our parents, our students, right? Um, ourselves, right, to reconnect and make things right in the relationship, like it needs to be two-sided. And the one who, like the one who wronged or the one who pulled away is the one that has to approach first. Right? Nobody can do it for them. Um, it's still that sense of, right, like lihit kaber, so it's hard to do, but you're encouraged. Um, and the chita says, um, so you have to do it first, um, and that's uh, that's what's hinted at of ani ledodi, that kisha ani mitorer mitchaberim dodi hakadosh baruch When I, as an individual, if I allow myself to awaken and I don't try to put it on snooze, and I'm not afraid and I don't push it to the side because I'm like, what's going to happen? It's too big. It's too scary. I'm just going to let another year pass, another month pass, another year pass. Um, if I awaken myself and try to reconnect um, with God, then God will certainly come and be in that relationship with me. 
Um, and then he brings from Yoma, which is very apt for Yom Kippur. One second, we're having a little. more stable now, um, that it says a person who comes to purify, right? Somebody who comes literally to the Beit HaMikdash, right? In practical sense, right? Somebody who wants to do the right thing, we try to help them along. We don't make obstacles in their way and say, well, what took you so long? And it's not enough, right? So we really try to, once there's an opening, right? and there's different ways of saying this, um, right? Then we help the person. Um, and then he says, yes, of course, this is all the time. Right? This is not an only Elu thing, um, but it does. Um, this is a particular time of year. That there is a sense, and this is an idea that exists in the rabbinic text and in the Kabbalistic text um, as well, that this is a time that is particularly apt for God's Rahamim. We're going to think about that idea more next week. Uh, what does that mean? Um, right, is Rachamim, right? It's not only confined to this type of year. Tishuvah is not only confined, mercy is not. Um, but this is, uh, right, this is a particularly apt time. Yeah, um, so he's definitely building on here, yes, that awakening um, means connecting, right? That when we, when we put things on snooze, we sort of disconnect, right? We disconnect from ourselves and we disconnect from others. And that's a very human, I know I have done this, it's a very human tendency, right? When you know you haven't fully been who you should be <laughs> either, right, in, in any context, right? We have a sense of like, we wanna pull away and we wanna kind of avoid. Um, we have a feeling often of, of avoidance. Um, it can be very common. And this is a way of saying like, avoidance is gonna only push us further and further and cause more wedges. Um, and that teshuvah um, is first reconnecting. Um, and I think although he's talking about teshuvah between us and God, right, we can also think about this between us and other people, right? This should be mirrored in our relationships with others, right? That teshuvah, the, the Talmud, the Mishnah, and the Ramam speaks about this as well, right? That we have to come to the other person and appease them, um, and hopefully they'll take us back. So other people might not be as welcoming or forgiving as God, as he says here. Um, but this is a very different picture. I think if you ask many people, like what Rosh Hashanah is all about, and Yom Kippur all about, and the sense of divine judgment, and fear, and punishment, and that's really not what these putim are trying to encourage in us. Yes, that exists. And we think about that as human beings, right? We think of consequences, um, right? Uh, we're not, uh, but that's not, um, that's not the main focus. That shouldn't be our main motivator um, because often that can only um, weigh us down versus waking us up. And I think that's where I see a lot of these sources talking about of the way of awakening or waking up in a way that motivates us to connect and move forward and not in a way that weighs us down with fear and regret and paralysis, um, right? So the pewd of Ben Adam really moves us forward. And um, we're gonna look at one more pewd in our short time um, together, but that if we think of these pew team, Right? The rhyme scheme is very quick. There's a lot of call and response. Um, the And I always laughed about this as, as uh, growing up saying slichot, um, but they're like really fun to sing. They're very fast paced and everybody's singing it together. And like little children can learn the rhyme scheme because they're very short phrases that rhyme with each other. Um, and they're very easy to remember. And there's something about that 
um, all of those ways that they're constructed, many of these Sephardi um, Salichot, Salichot are really like meant to like together lift us up, right? So we want to have a sense of being lifted up and not weighed down. Um, and so hopefully I can, can have conveyed some of that sense um, in, in sharing this and sharing this with you. Um, Before we get to um, to the pute um, towards the end, um, I added here this idea, and I mentioned this with the chida as well, um, that this is not an only this time of year thing, right? Um, the idea of teshuvah, the idea of awakening, right? Hopefully we're self-aware all the time, right? But that's pretty hard to do, right? It's pretty hard to be self-aware all the time um, or to wake up every day, right? So we can sometimes... Um, right, motivate ourselves to do this. Um, if you look at the section where it says all year round, um, right, it says, I'll just pull it up, the Shulchan Aruch. Right, so the Shulchan Aruch takes this pasuk, takes a different pasuk that has the same idea and opens up all of the laws, his book of the laws, um, with this same idea that we open slichot, right? So the way that we open the slichot is the way that we open um, every day. It's the way that we open the book of law. And he says, a person should be strong like a lion because it's not even... Um, not even the idea of like getting to the point where we can be self-aware, but like we first have to get ourselves there, right? We first like wake up and like go to slichot, but we have to actually like, right, get up to face the day, right? So the first step is like, right? I think that's where the Yonah allegory of the soul and the body get come in, right? We have to sort of like bring our bodies along. Um, and then, right, um, right? So the he mentions this as an ideal for every single day. Um, but this is an ideal that is really not uh, the way that the um, Rebbe Sakar lived his life, I think, is a way that most of us um, would not are not living our lives. Um, I'm not going to speak for anyone else. Right? But he was a Kabbalist. Um, he didn't sleep very much. Right. He was very focused um, right, on these practices. And it could be that every day he woke up at midnight um, and did this. Right. So for most of us, that's not realistic. Um, so what the Rambam mentions is that for most people, this is something that we try to do one month out of the year for Ashkenazim. It's right, um, at least a week out of the year, um, something that we try to do. Um, right. But just to sense that this is something that maybe people um, have the temperament to do all the time. And I brought here, um, I saw this recently from um, Rabbi Daniel Buskilo, who's a rabbi in LA, who often brings some um, Sephardi sources. And this is from Rav Shalom Mesas, um, who's from Morocco and ends up being a chief rabbi also um, in Jerusalem. And he brings this idea that he saw in uh, a book about women in medieval Spain um, who used to wake up before their whole house woke up, go and pray, and then go home, wake up their family and do what they needed to do um, because that spiritual side of themselves is so important. Um, and I'm bringing this because we get very fixated on this time of year and it helps us expand our purview of like what we're trying to do, right? Um, and it might not be realistic, right? To do um, even slichot, right? Might not be realistic for everybody. Um, but how do we take um, that sense of awakening and strengthening ourselves this time of year and uh, the Shekhan Aruch 
and Rav Mesas are mentioning ways that people try to do that on a regular basis. And that might look different for all of us, um, right? Um, they do talk about the coffee, actually. <laughs> the phrase right before this, only because you mentioned this, um, is that there are two different women that are mentioned. There's the one type of women that wake up really early, make the coffee, and then wake up their husbands, and then the husbands go to shul. And then there's the other set of women um, who they themselves wake up super, super early, go to shul, and then come home and wake everybody up. Um, and unfortunately, like a thousand years later, we see many articles about to be productive, waking up at five in the morning, so you can write that article after, right? So this is very relevant, even though it feels not so, right? Um, and it's those kinds of practices, right? So how do we take this time of year um, and make it something that feels like we can incorporate it in, uh, in our everyday lives? Um, and it's not going to necessarily be, it's not going to be the same intensity. Right? We're not the Shekhan Aruch. We're not, I'm not the, these women in Spain. Uh, maybe some of you are, which would be fantastic. Um, but how to make it realistic. Um, I brought here, um, people might be familiar with uh, Rabbi Alan Lou, This is Real, um, and, uh, and You Are Totally Unprepared. Um, he's specifically here talking about Elul and the Ashkenazi practice of blowing the shofar, but I think what he says can either be related to, right, and especially those who are familiar with that practice. Um, right? The ram's horn will sound uh, on Rosh Hashanah, and it wakes us up, right? It calls you to wakefulness. So he's taking the Rambam's idea, and he says, at first when you awake, you're sort of like, right, it's literally when you wake up in the morning and your alarm goes, maybe some people jump right up, but most people are like, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now what? Right? Once you start realizing and becoming more self-aware, it can be very overwhelming. Um, who are you? Where are you? Then you remember, right? Rosh Hashanah is coming. Um, and that this encounter will carry you closer, significantly closer to the truth of your life. Um, you can see a great deal more than you ordinarily might because you're shining that bright light. Um, but only to the degree that you are already awake, only in proportion to the time and energy you have devoted to preparing for this encounter. Meaning showing up to Rosh Hashanah, right, is something that um, the experience will be proportional. Um, and he brings some of the sources that we mentioned, and he says the horn blows to usher us into Elul, and it's blown every morning of Elul, lest we forget slip back and surrender to the entropic pull of mindlessness. I think if anything, I, I, I think that that is one of um, the best ways of saying what the rabbis were trying to do <laughs> during this period of time, um, right, is, uh, is take us off um, autopilot um, and saying, wake up, wake up. Um, and the, the Torah readings help us do that as well. Um, in this sense of waking us up and not weighing us down um, and building on the idea of, um, of Ben Adam of, of, and um, of what the Chida says, many of the Silichot that are built on the, the foundation that the Silichot are built on are the 13 attributes of God. And I brought here a picture. This is um, a Kabbalistic representation. It's actually taken from a Tashlich book. Um, this is the verse from Micha that we get the Tashlich practice, which is pretty late from, but that there are two versions of the 13 attributes um, of, faith, of, of uh, mercy of God. Um, and that really, um, that's what we're relying on here, right? That ultimately, um, 
ultimately um, right, we're relying on um, God's mercy. And also we're trying to model that in ourselves. When we think about um, God being merciful, God being forgiven, God being gracious, those are things that we're also trying to encourage um, in ourselves. Um, and so I brought the acrostic here. Um, and Adon Hasalichot is also, it's interesting, we don't know the authors of Ben Adam. Um, we don't know the author of Adon Hasalichot. These have been around for hundreds uh, of years. Um, so unclear, right? I think it's the authorship is, is unknown, um, right? But they exist um, in many, many communities um, for many centuries. Um, and if you notice, this is a version um, by, translated by um, Rabbi David de Solis. Pool, who's from the Sephardic, uh, from the Spanish Portuguese community, and he put the acrostic here in a way that he also the translation is an A, right? Is um, A B C acrostic. Um, acrostics are very very popular in um, Pew team. Either the acrostic of the author, um, acrostics like Ashray from Psalms, because it helps you remember. Right? This is something that you want to be able to say and remember the next line. Um, and you want to remember, um, right? So Adon HaSalichot um, reminds us that we're really, um, that God is a master of forgiveness, right? Um, and we ask God, um, we admit our mistakes and ask God to forgive us. Um, and that's really what we're doing during the Salichot. Um, so even if it might be hard to awaken ourselves um, and be reflective, that the Salichot remind us um, if that we're able to take that really, really hard step, um, that we will be forgiven. Um, and it could be in our relationship with God. And if we take that hard step with other people, um, we, we will be um, forgiven as well. Um, um, people probably have heard this. And uh, I'm going to just play um, and maybe um, you can think about the qualities. People can look at the acrostic and think about the qualities listed here. And some of them are, yes, they're talking about God, uh, but maybe qualities that we want to embody, right? It's not only God that searches the depths of our souls, but we, we want to be people that have the ability to look inward and search the depths of our souls. Um, we want to be um, people who are forgiving. Um, so I'm going to play um, one more um version of Adon Salichot, and um, people can think about perhaps one um, one aspect here that either they are looking towards, that they hope um, to feel in their relationship with God, which aspect, right? Which aspect of this, right? And facing, coming towards Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and perhaps sensing that fear of like impending, we sometimes get a little anxious, um, right? About what does this mean? And having that time to reflect um, and actually what are we looking forward to in that relationship with God and what are the what are the qualities of God um, that we are relying on um, to help us through this period of time. So the acrostic is on the screen. I'm gonna um, share it. Okay, I'm gonna share. Rahom, <laughs> 
דובר סדקות, חטאנו לפניך, רחם עלינו. אל רחום שמך, אל חנון שמך, ראה בעוני עמך, רחם על עוני. Um, so I think people could hear there are different versions of this. Um, this is the one that I'm most familiar with, which is like very, um, very upbeat, um, right? And really like looking to God, not in a scary way, um, right? But looking to God in a really, um, right? Like we're all in this together. We know that you want us to like succeed and do well. And that's what we're here to do. So if we wake up and show up, we know that you want the best from us and we know you want us um, to like to do well in this world um, and that's really what the Sikhot are trying to encourage us to do um, in their very beautiful poetic uh, in their very beautiful poetic way um, there are some other links if people are interested um, the ones from the National Library of Israel on the source sheets have actually recordings from dozens and dozens of communities um, so you can really listen to the way that different communities express themselves musically with the same pew team it also just shows how widespread um, these pew team are this practice how meaningful they are um, in people's preparation um, and that it would not feel like they mean um, and and elul without singing these um, uh, so hopefully um, both the music and the learning um, have helped helped us feel a little bit um, a sense of awakening, um, help us to wake up a little bit to the things that we want um, out of these coming weeks as we head towards Rosh Hashanah, help us think about the things that we want in the coming year, the relationship that we want to have um, with God, and maybe help take away some of the anxiety, some of the fear, some of the heaviness and the weightiness um, of the feeling of high holidays that there's a lot of, yes, they're serious. Um, but they're also um, very uplifting and very beautiful and very connective. Um, and that's really what the Sikhot are trying to get um, out of this time of year. Um, so um, I know that there were some technical issues. Thank you for bearing with uh, with those technical issues. Um, thank you, Maxine, for your um, for moderating. Um, I know maybe I'll leave Maxine for the announcement, but I'll just say we're going to have one more session. I know it's the night before Erev Rosh Hashanah next Thursday, but it's about Pew Team of Rosh Hashanah. Um, so I will be the one teaching. You will be the ones present. Um, so you can do your cooking or you can do your whatever it is you're doing. If you're in, traveling somewhere, you're in the airport, whatever it is, we'd love to have you tune in. Um, we're going to look at two Pew Team, which are two of my favorite, favorite Pizmoni Pew Team of um, Rosh Hashanah. One is Echa'ira. Um, an extended, beautiful midrash on the Akedah story that um, precedes the shofar blowing and is also sung on Yom Kippur. Um, it's like the hallmark piyut um, in many communities. Um, and also a few called Chantachon, which about uh, about God's graciousness. Um, and so hopefully you can join us next week and I'll turn it back over to Maxi. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Ravaneet, and thank you to um, everyone here for being part of our learning community. Um, so our Elizman classes uh, are continuing, um, you know, as Ravaneet uh, Sutton mentioned, um, you know, we're on again next week, um, but uh, they also continue um, sooner than that, uh, this Sunday, um, 
with uh, we have the Stanley Rudolph uh, High Holidays Memorial Lecture. Um, Rabbi Danny Siegel will be teaching on the topic of Awaken the Morn, how to invite the new year, and that's at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, we also have uh, more classes scheduled for the Elsman, um, and you can register um, at the link that I've just put in the chat. Um, that's uh, 5783.drisha.org slash And I'm looking forward to seeing you next week and uh, perhaps sooner. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Shabbat shalom.